0: The Miami Dolphins 2023 NFL Draft class is complete. The fallout from day three, the undrafted free agents, the two selections in the sixth and seventh round. Exploring all of that here today on Locked on Dolphins.
1: You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-host of the Locked On NFL scouting podcast with Joe Marino. I want to thank all of you who will make Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And a special shout out to our everydayers who keep it locked in with us. Every step of the way. And this is our latest uh, developments. It's Sunday morning. It's April 30th. Day three of the NFL draft has come and gone. The Dolphins made a few selections. They've reportedly agreed to bring in a number of undrafted free agents. We're going to kind of go over everything from an administrative perspective today on the show. And then we're going to dive into deep dives with a lot of these undrafted free agents and do deep dives on Elijah Higgins and that potential transition to tight end and Ryan Hayes on the offensive line is a new addition. There's a lot of storylines coming out of this draft for the Dolphins that I think if we we really buy into the team building and player evaluation and and, uh, strategy process, we're going to have a lot to talk about in the month of May. Uh, So it's going to be a great month, so make sure you hit subscribe, follow along. Uh, all throughout that journey as we go. But the, uh, I, I guess you could call him the centerpiece of day three. The Dolphins obviously drafted Cam Smith with the 51st overall pick, and then at 84 on Friday, they drafted uh, Devin chain from Texas A&M, the running back, uh, two players at, you know, running back in obvious position of need, uh, cornerback. I think the depth that the Dolphins really struggled with last year should not be a problem at this point, point. and I'm a knock on wood because you never know, but the fact that they have so aggressively for Vic Fangio pursued defensive backs to be able to play in this system certainly gets you excited about what all the possible personnel combinations and iterations can look like, and and we'll, of course, talk plenty about those selections down uh, the road in the month of May as well. But the Dolphins made two selections on day three. Elijah Higgins, wide receiver slash tight end. He was listed as a tight end when they turned in the card from Stanford, and Ryan Hayes, the offensive tackle from the University of Michigan. So let's talk about Elijah Higgins. Uh, Elijah Higgins was someone that we had a chance to see down at the Senior Bowl, and that was kind of your first clue that, hey, this might end up being a tight end at the next level because Higgins worked out with the tight ends during the week of practice at the Senior Bowl. If you're not familiar with Elijah Higgins, obviously by going to the Senior Bowl, it's a senior prospect. He's 22 years old. Uh, he's six foot three, 6030, 235 pounds as a wide receiver at Stanford. He has 10.5 inch hands. He ran a 454 four second 40 yard dash with a 1.56 second 10-yard split. He had a 35-inch vertical jump, 10 foot 6 inch standing broad jump at the NFL combine, and ran the three-cone drill in 7.01 seconds. So from an athleticism standpoint, he is a supersized wide receiver. 81st percentile in height, 98th percentile for weight. This is one of the biggest NFL combine wide receivers since 1999. But when you put him through the filter of not a wide receiver, but you put him through the filter of tight end, now you can kind of see what the interest was for the Dolphins when you consider what I think they've told us their intentions are with tight ends by bypassing the traditional inline guys throughout the course of this draft. We went from 77th and 98th percentile in height and weight to 15th percentile for height. This is one of the shorter tight ends to come through the NFL Combine since 1999. From a weight perspective, he's one of the lightest tight ends to come through the NFL Combine since 1999. So he is very much in between those two worlds. But the athleticism profile is where you kind of perk up. That 4.54 second 40-yard dash is suddenly 92nd percentile. That 10-yard split is 91st percentile amongst tight ends. His vertical jump is 73rd percentile, his broad jump is 94th percentile, and his three-cone drill is 80th percentile. This is a plus, plus, plus player at the tight end position from an athlete standpoint. His number one athletic comparable, according to com, is Sam Laporta, who everybody had eyes on for the Dolphins to be the pick at 51 before Laporta came off the board at 34 overall, a little earlier than I think everybody expected. He was tight end two. Um, other significant athletic comparables include Evan Ingram, who was a first round pick and all miss, finally found his footing at Jacksonville this past year. Daniel Bellinger, uh, who went on day three to the New York Giants last year, but they ran a, t- a bunch of uh, 11 personnel and Bellinger was the primary tight end for them before he suffered an injury. Luke Musgrave is on this athletic comparables chart. Uh, Chig Okwanku, who was out of Maryland, and was a day three pick for the Tennessee Titans last year and had a very, very, very successful year. There's a number of highly successful NFL tight ends or highly coveted NFL tight ends who are athletic comparables to Elijah Higgins when you make the jump and transfer him from wide receiver to tight end. And I don't know that we should necessarily be surprised that... Athletic profile, kind of an ambiguous positional classification, that's all part of the game for Mike McDaniel, right? It's all part of the game is to be able to have uh, different kinds of body types. And I would not be surprised to see the Dolphins as they continue to evolve. A lot of their best run concepts last year were to the formational weak side of the formation. Uh, And that was because of the caliber of tight ends and the blocking that you got up front on the play side of these runs. What happens if your formational weak strength, if you put an inline tight end on one side, and then on the other side, your slot receiver is Elijah Higgins? And you put bodies like that in a position where they have baked-in angles, where they're not having to, from an inline position, secure a defender, but instead crack down and seal. And you have much more leverage because you're not attached to the formation. I think that's something about this Dolphins team that I think I will be fascinated to see what the personnel usage looks like. They were amongst the top teams last year in 21 personnel, which is two backs and one tight end. Um, But now, if you go two backs and and one tight end, and if Elijah Higgins is your tight end, and Devin A. Chain is one of your running backs, and you're very suddenly in a position where you can have blazing speed all across the field, And yet you're in 21 and dictating heavy formational. It's the same concept as what the Buffalo Bills are doing. And and obviously you're doing it with a player later because you're taking a wide receiver and converting him to tight end. And what that transition is going to look like is going to be a mystery bag for how successful this plan is in year one for the Dolphins with this offense. But I can certainly see the vision to take a player like Elijah Higgins, Uh, who got more productive as his career went. Uh, He ended up peaking last year at Stanford with Tanner McKee throwing the football, 59 receptions for 704 yards. Uh, He rushed the ball four times. He had 752 total yards from scrimmage, six career touchdowns. Uh, And I thought he had a nice week at the Senior Bowl as well. And the fact that he moved with the tight ends and and it was really funny the first time I looked over on the practice field and, and saw him standing there with those guys. If you didn't, know that the Stanford guy was the guy who was a wide receiver, you would not have been able to pick him up out of the lineup to know who was the tight end and who was the wide receiver out of that group. So developmental type, I think there is a pretty vast ceiling that can be achieved with this selection. And because of that, you're betting on a plus athlete on day three with a positional change. It's the right kind of roll of the dice in my mind to take when you are in day three of the NFL draft. You're looking for good athletes and guys that, that have some level of things that you can't coach that you're then going to try to scheme up and coach up and, and get something good out of them. As far as the domino effect of what that really means for Eric Azucama and some of the other players on the roster, we'll cross that bridge. Tanner Connor is another good example. We'll cross that bridge after we, I do the formal deep dive on film of Elijah Higgins. I'm familiar with him. I've seen some of his game tape. I saw him the week of the Senior Bowl. But I have not done the intimate deep dive like I did with so many prospects because he was classified as a wide receiver. And we didn't do wide receivers other than Jonathan Mingo. Uh, So that's what's coming for Elijah Higgins here on Locked on Dolphins. And I'm looking forward to diving into the tape. I'm also looking forward to diving into a Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They are absolutely, positively delicious, and they are the life hack that you didn't know that you needed to eat good things that taste good but are also good for you. You can go to Built.com or you can go to Walmart, head to the pharmacy section, get yourself a four-bar box. You can go to Sam's Club, get a 13-bar box, eat one on the way home, and still have a dozen waiting for you for the next few days. So visit Built.com, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club,
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Ryan Hayes was the pick at 238, so everybody wanted to know where the offensive line investment was going to come. And, of course, there's a lot of angry Dolphins fans. I've seen all of the fire Gris, Chris Greer tweets, and all all of the uh, reminders of the quarterback with the durability questions, and the questions that you have at left guard and right tackle, and obviously the quote from Chris Greer after the second night of the draft that says, I think you guys are a little bit more worried about our situation right now at those positions than we are, and acknowledge that they're still talking to players who are are street-free agents. And what is kind of nice, I wish we would have been able to Manufacture a little bit of extra draft capital because right now the dolphins don't have a three and they don't have a four next year in 2024, but you've reset the deck, right? You're no longer the team that doesn't have a first round pick. You're back in the same boat with everybody else. And I'm not saying that dolphins are going to trade their first round pick for an offensive lineman this summer for 2024. But at the very least, you have some draft capital and wiggle room at your disposal that everybody just operates with the understanding of, hey, I don't have a draft in two weeks, so if the best I can offer you is a pick from 2024, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. So we'll see what they do there, but let's talk about Ryan Hayes. Ryan Hayes, University of Michigan, uh, was a multi-year starter for the Wolverines at left tackle. I have the uh, the snippet here from Chad Reuter of NFL.com. Hayes, two-time All-State football player, Conference Basketball Player of the Year and Baseball Pitcher of the Year during his time at Traverse City West High School. Very impressive multi-sport athlete for a big guy. Uh, Goes to Michigan, starts two games in 12 games during his redshirt freshman season in 2019. He redshirts his true freshman season in 2018. Then proceeds to play lockdown 26 games Left tackle between 21 and 21 and 2022, the Wolverines' offensive line won the John Moore Award for the best offensive line in college football, uh, both of those seasons. And of course, Michigan makes the college football playoff, they win the Big Ten both of those years. Uh, very good performance. They, this is a very battle-tested player. He's not a player without some questions and some limitations, and that's why you obviously end up coming off the board in the 7th round with the 238th overall pick. But from an athletic profile perspective, this is a pretty good athlete. He ran the 40-yard dash in the 66th percentile of NFL offensive linemen since, or NFL offensive tackles, excuse me, since 1999. I'd bet that number's even better if it's just offensive linemen. Sure enough, 67th percentile, so one percentile better. Uh, his vertical jump of 30 inches was the 73rd percentile of offensive tackles since 1999. He ran the three and code drill in 7.39 seconds, which is 90th percentile of offensive tackles. Now, he's undersized. 298 pounds is 5th percentile, and he's short-armed. 32 half inches, which is 6th percentile for offensive tackles. Is this a guard at 6'6"? Is this a left tackle at the NFL level? I could tell you that the length is something that is probably a disqualifier for a number of teams. Now, we have seen for the Dolphins, when they drafted Liam Eikenberg and were willing to, to give him looks as a offensive tackle, it's probably not a disqualifier for them. From some athletic, compro- uh, athletic profiles and comparables perspective, some names that jump out to me: Taylor Decker is is the best case scenario here, and Taylor Decker, the irony of a Michigan player comparing to a Ohio State player, is not lost on me. But Taylor Decker uh, compares from an athleticism perspective, but was about fifteen pounds heavier and had almost two inches longer arms, or an inch and a half longer arms than what Ryan Hayes does. The player I think is actually the most appropriate and is relevant as an NFL player is James Hurst. Uh, James Hurst came out of North Carolina, class of 2014. He's kind of pinballed around, but he has stuck for a very, very, very long time as an undersized tackle. that was like 295 pounds when he first came out. Um, Positional flexibility, some inside, some outside, some guard, some tackle, but the movement skills helped get him by. Now, there was a glass ceiling on how good he could be, and I think that's probably the case with Ryan Hayes as well. I think from an anchor ability standpoint, at over six foot six and under 300 pounds as a former tight end, there's a need for him to continue to add mass and anchor to ensure that NFL power rushers and speed-to-power rushers from wide angles aren't going to be able to just bully him around and push him all over the field. I can't guarantee that that's going to happen immediately for the Dolphins. But this is a nice, a a player from a scheme perspective that I think fits what the Dolphins want to do. You think about Max Mitchell, who came out of Louisiana last year and got drafted in the fourth round to the Jets. I think Ryan Hayes is a better player than Max Mitchell. But Max Mitchell went a couple rounds earlier. The, The concept being the same, however, because the Jets, up until they made the schematic change and brought in Nathaniel Hackett because they wanted to go trade for Aaron Rodgers. They had run a Lafleur offense, which is off the same coaching tree, and the ideologies have plenty of parallels. So obviously, that's why they paid Lakin Tomlinson, who was a player we were interested for the Dolphins, in 2021, $13 million a season. Whether or not he makes the roster, I think really depends on what you feel like the Dolphins have or don't have with the Kendall Lambs of the world. I would expect this is probably a practice squad player unless he comes in, has a little bit stiffer anchor than we expected. But I think this is somebody who could go the Robert Jones type pathway for you as a tackle type of player. And if he were to be pressed due to injuries into playing time, it is a player I think is is physically capable of keeping his head above water he played in the Big Ten, so he saw a lot of really good pass rushers. It's not like there's going to be this big culture shock. It's obviously a jump in level of competition, but it's not like coming from an FCS school and having to wrap your head around just how dynamic the NFL plays and the speed of the game. So that's Ryan Hayes, and I also obviously have to do a fully equipped deep dive for him as well. But he was also at the Reese's Senior Bowl this year, so I had a chance to see him there. I've studied plenty of Michigan. I'm in Big Ten country, so I've seen plenty of of Michigan football. Familiar enough to tell you I think this is a good developmental offensive lineman investment. And obviously that doesn't alleviate the concerns that so many people have about the two starting spots, and I am among them. But it's a good pick at 238 in my mind. So in total, you had four picks. Uh, They were not probably the picks that I would have made. I, I actually think I had sent... In our subtext community, uh, to a couple of of those of you who are signed up, what I would have done, and my class at the picks available, while acknowledging that there were um, under the surface disqualifiers for Darnell Washington, apparently with the medicals, and DeWan Jones who fell into the fourth round, like. For teams to stiff-arm those two players as emphatically and universally as they did, I'll take the L. There's stuff going on there that I don't know about. Okay, So if I acknowledge those and I say those are off the board, say say those two players are off the board because of whatever their individual circumstances are. Knowing what we know, knowing what I knew before the draft, seeing the way the board fell, I probably would have gone with the players that were available with these four picks. Sidney Brown at safety, so I'd have gone DB at 51 too. I just had a different flavor. Nick Saldaveri at 84. Braden Willis, the so I, I think the valuation of Elijah Higgins versus Braden Willis, I think Braden Willis probably has a little bit more versatility to his game right now. Uh, Higgins probably a better route runner as to be expected because he played wide receiver. So some give and some take there. What Just what world do you want to live in? And then Sean Tucker at running back who ultimately went undrafted. That probably would have been my uh, one through four and try to accomplish some of the same things. If I'm applying what the points of emphasis were for the Dolphins internally and I cross-reference those with who is available at each pick without trying to apply too much uh, of hindsight being 2020. So if I'm mirroring what their actual strategy was versus my impressions and opinions of the players, and then on top of that, who is actually available, I'd have gone Sidney Brown, Nick Saldaveri, Braden Willis, Sean Tucker. We got Cam Smith, Devin A. Chain, Elijah Higgins, Ryan Hayes. Every single one of these guys deserves the chance to see what the plan looks like and what them as individual players looks like. They're members of the Miami Dolphins, what I would have done. Quite frankly, I just acknowledge it for bookkeeping purposes, but it does not matter. I can't change it, and me griping about what my pre-draft opinions were, it doesn't matter. I'm not in the building, okay? I can only come from a place of as much education as I can and try and think logically while applying my logic and my assessment of the team. The team just did that themselves, and this is what they came up with, so let's see what happens with that. Now, there's also some undrafted free agents that uh, are coming into the wings, and that's what we're going to finish with here today on Locked on the Offense.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: The Dolphins have had 19 reported undrafted free agent signings by my count just want to acknowledge who they are. There's not too many. There's a handful that I know a good bit about, but there's there's not too many that I could tell you intimately, you know, their backstories and what they do on the field. And so that's going to be my job here on the fallout from day three is to find out. And we'll talk about who we feel like has the best chance to land on this roster and be a meaningful contributor because the Dolphins have had success with that at least once it feels like every year for the last four or five years. Whether it's cater Kohu or from McKinley, who took meaningful snaps, or Robert Jones, or Nick Needham. They've got a nice little run here going with with finding some gems. So who's the gem of this group? We're going to have to dig through some coal to find out, but let's acknowledge who they are. Uh, The reported, and most of these come from either Simon Simon Clancy or Barry Jackson. Uh, There's a handful that might have been reported first from somebody else who's not on the Dolphins beat, but I just want to shout those guys out for they've been the most consistent and persistent with uh, the UDFA reportings that I've seen at this point in time. And this is as of like 8 a.m. this morning on Sunday. Ezekiel Vandenberg, Illinois State, highly productive pass rusher at the FCS level. Uh, Julian Hill, tight end, Campbell University, the Camels. Right, You appreciate anybody who plays for a team called the Camels. Uh, Randy Carlton, defensive line, Mississippi State. Bennett Williams, safety, Oregon. Jarrett Horst, Michigan State offensive tackle. That's one to put a star next to. I'm going to come back to him in a second. Uh, Alamo Uave, San Diego State center. James Blackman, quarterback, Arkansas State, formerly of Florida State. Aubrey Miller, linebacker, Jackson State. That's another one to put a star next to. That's a mean dude. Uh, Brandon Peely, defensive tackle, nose tackle, USC. Kind of interested in him as well. Chris Brooks, BYU running back. Anthony Montalvo, UCF defensive tackle. Daywood Davis, wide receiver, Western Kentucky. Garrett Nelson, pass rusher, Nebraska. I know quite a bit about him. I did a write-up for him over the summer for Draft Network. Mitchell Agude. Mike got that last name wrong. I'll figure that one out. Miami. Miami. Formerly of UCLA, I also did a write-up on him while he was at UCLA. Uh, Defensive back, Ethan Bonner, Stanford. Punter, Michael Turk, Oklahoma. That was largely considered to be a draftable player, so that's an interesting one. Uh, Offensive lineman, DJ Scaife, Miami Hurricanes. uh, Son of Bo Scaife, I'm familiar with him as well. I did a write-up for him for TDN as well. Uh, South Dakota State offensive tackle, Alex Jensen. And wide receiver Chris Coleman, Cal Poly Tech. Those are, as of right now, the reported undrafted free agents to be added to the Miami Dolphins. In addition to their four-man draft class, some interesting names here. I, I bet you get one on the roster, just because I do think from a, a, a where the Dolphins have invested dollars. Right, they they have committed to some premier contracts at premier positions and whether Cam Smith's a part of that plan to transition uh, in time, getting UDFA-type contracts on the books, Cater Co., who's probably your best value contract on the roster. And he's going to be cheap for another couple years. So finding gems is is important, so we're going to look very hard at opportunity here in Miami, scheme here in Miami, skill sets of these players, and try to discover where... Uh, the magic overlap is. And that's what's next for us here on Locked On Dolphins. We hope you keep it locked in here on Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day. It's Sunday, April 30th. We are signing off. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Shout out to the everydayers who keep it locked in with us on a daily basis. I'm Kyle Krabs, fins up. Hope to talk to you all again tomorrow as we continue to react to the fallout from the 2023 NFL Draft.